We are Grace Church International, a spirit-filled, multicultural, worshiping community. One church in two locations. Today's message is preached by Bishop Jonathan Alvarado. We pray that it reaches you no matter where you are and equips you to be a more developed Christian disciple. second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach unto it that I tell you. Preach the message, preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city of the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he said that he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. This is the word of our Lord. forever and forever. Thank you so much, Mr. Taryn, and all of you that have served thus far this morning. I want to take uh, the next few moments that have been allotted unto me uh, from the scripture passage that was read in your hearing from Jonah, and I want to preach from this thought, maybe uh, prophesy from this thought concerning 2021. I feel prophetic in light of what's impending. We've been, we've been working up on uh, a prophetic uh, breakthrough coming up to this Wednesday night, which is why I really want to encourage all of you to be in place for this coming Wednesday night. I want to really strongly encourage you to be on the live stream. But uh, here's the thought, and I, and I know th th 
this, this thought will be fraught with a bit of controversy. And, and so I want to I wanna maybe offer this on the front end to say, pray with me and track with me to the end, and uh, it'll make sense. I hope after a while uh, th these things the Lord will reveal to me as we're moving forward. Uh, here's my thought, Jim, uh, for the live stream, for the title, for the purpose of our YouTube channel and the like. Here's the thought. Don't worry. God has changed his mind. I want you to encourage somebody around you or on the live stream and tell them, here's the subject today. Here's the sermon today. Here's the prophetic word for you today. Don't worry. God has changed his mind. Now, that, 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 that didn't mean anything to somebody else. Every now and then you have the terrible misfortune of trying to encourage somebody who doesn't want to be encouraged. But find somebody else and encourage them and tell them, neighbor, don't worry. If you're in the sanctuary, tell somebody. And if you're on the live stream, you ought to tag somebody. You ought to call somebody by name and tell them, don't worry. God has changed his mind. Y'all be seated. Let's work it out together. I know, I know, I, I know the temptation now is to, is to wrestle in the introductory comments with those uh, naysayers that are, are obviously and maybe justifiably uh, pushing back on the topic already by saying, uh, quoting the scriptures where God uh, makes auto-ethnographic statements concerning himself, saying, I am the Lord, I change not. And uh, people are pushing back already. And people are, are already getting at him. Oh, this false prophet, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Because here, God doesn't change. God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I get all of that. You know, I've read the book once or twice myself. And I understand those dynamics. But a careful examination of the text oftentimes reveals that God, uh, throughout the, 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 the text of Scripture, there are two axioms that are present. And one of the axioms is, is an axiom is a condition that is not likely to change. When something is axiomatic, it is a condition that is not likely to change. And two axioms that are present in the text of Scripture that, that articulate the character and the nature of God are in this order, that God's goodness toward us is immutable in that he does not change in his good disposition toward us. Okay, that's axiom number one. Here's axiom number two. Axiom number two is that whenever God sees an opportunity to relent from punishment, he always chooses the path of relenting. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because it's an important consideration in, 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 as it pertains to my theme. Listen to me. Uh, don't worry. God has changed his mind. Uh, part of the challenge that we're facing today is that we have, like the people have in the days of Jonah, we've met our, made our beds hard. A careful examination of the book of Jonah will reveal that, that, that God spoke to Jonah in chapter 1, told him to go to Nineveh and prophesy against them because the wickedness of the people. Everybody say the wickedness of the people. Yeah, yes, y'all didn't say nothing on this side. Say it through your masks. Now say the wickedness of the people over here too. Yeah, don't be wicked. Say it after me. And y'all put it in the live stream when I say stuff like that. Type something in the live stream so I know you're tracking with me. That Jonah was tasked to go to Nineveh because of the wickedness of the people. He was tasked to prophesy against them concerning their destruction and how God was going to bring the entire city down because the people 
were wicked. But you read your, your, your Bible. When, uh, when Jonah got the word, he didn't want to go to them. He didn't want to go prophesy to them. He felt like it would be better for him to go somewhere else, so he went to Tarshish. The Bible says he took a boat and went the opposite direction to a city called Tarshish, and there the storm arose while he was on the, on the boat. He told the people, hey, I'm the problem. Throw me overboard. O ultimately, they threw him overboard. And God had prepared a great fish, swallowed him up. He stayed in the belly of the fish for three days, spat him out on the shore, guess where, in Nineveh, where he was supposed to go from to get God. So even when we try to circumvent doing the will of God, God always has a way of bringing us back around to his will. Jonah then gets on the shores of Nineveh and the word of the Lord comes to him and says, as we have read in the text today, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Arise now, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach the message that I tell you. I done told you what to say, boy. Now go on down here and preach like I told you to tell the people. And when he gets down there, he begins to preach the message. Verse 5 says it. Verse 4 says, Noah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Nineveh was such a big, great, vast, expansive city that it took three days to walk through the city from one side to the next. And so on the first day's walk, your Bible says in verse number 4, that Noah began to proclaim the message that God had given him concerning repentance. He says, Noah began, the Bible says, and Jonah rather, I'm sorry, Jonah began to enter the city on the first day, first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. This was the prophetic word that God had given him to give to the city of Nineveh. But encourage someone around you and encourage yourself in the Lord and tell yourself, don't worry, God has changed his mind. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. The Bible says then that he began to prophesy the things that they were coming into as a result of their wickedness. Now, I know y'all can't say nothing with 180 pounds of Puerto Rican jumping up and down on your toes, but the truth of the matter is, here, here we are today. We are getting what we have deserved. There's national upheaval, there's turmoil, there's all kinds of dastardly behavior going on all around us, but you know what? We have deserved it because some of our own complicity with the wickedness that's around us. We have not opportunities to, to put uh, righteous people in office, to put people with the interests of the marginalized and the poor in office. We had opportunities to change laws, to change systemic systems, and some of us stayed home and didn't even vote in consequential elections. We are getting what we have deserved. We've had the privilege and the opportunity that many nations around the planet have not had to be able to exercise votes and to be able to cast our opinions and to be able to stand up and be counted and to be able to have a voice in the way the people are governed and to be able to bring the biblical uh, a text to bear that says when the wicked rule the land mourns but when the righteous rule the land rejoices. We've had opportunities to be able to do that and, and there's no reason in complaining behind dumb conspiracy theories when, when you had a chance to raise your voice, you never raised your voice to say anything. We're getting what we deserve. When we made bad decisions, we made bad choices, we stay out of fellowship with the church. We don't operate our lives according to principles, the patterns, and the, pre and, the, and, the, and, the, and the precepts of the word of God. And then when things happen to us and come to us by way of consequence and by way of reason, then we wonder whether or not God has forsaken us. God hasn't forsaken us. We have forsaken God. I want you to hear me on this, precious dears. The wickedness of Nineveh was the reason that God sent Jonah there to prophesy to him. 
See, I'm a Wesleyan Pentecostal. And and, and I, I teach and preach and try to help the people of God understand that we cooperate with the grace of God in our lives. And it is in our cooperation that we come to fulfillment. And it's in our cooperation that we come into the fullness of God's purpose for us. It is within our synergistic cooperation with God. I know some of y'all believe that it's all on God and none of me. And God is doing it. God's in control. God's a big master puppeteer. And he's just kind of pulling the strings. I don't believe that. I don't think the scripture testifies to that. I believe that we have a significant part to play in how our lives and societies and nations and the world goes because God has given us regency in the earth to be able to conduct ourselves in ways that invoke righteousness in the planet and bring about God's help. Now, I can't get many amens in the sanctuary or online because personal responsibility is not something the church has been good at. We've been good at putting it all on God and trying to make God the, the reason for everything and trying to pray and, and say, God, you got to do this and God, you, and you too lazy to do anything for yourself or to be able to help somebody else. God is not going to do for God ain't going to brush your teeth in the morning. Your, your mouth going to be nasty if you don't go in there and brush your own teeth. God's not going to do for us what God has commissioned us to do for ourselves. And it is our wickedness and our turning away from God and our inability to follow after the precepts and the mandates and the patterns of God's word that we have come into the kind of decline that we've come into. But I just want to give you my subject over and over again because I don't want y'all to be discouraged. Don't worry. God has changed his mind. The text says that when he went into the city of Nineveh, he began to prophesy the word that God told him to prophesy. And listen to me, precious dears, just like this morning, I feel like old Jonah. Some of y'all looking at me funny and don't want to say amen. Some of y'all looking at me crazy and are mad about the word. Some of y'all looking at me because I called you wicked and I told you you were lazy and haven't done the things that God has asked you to do. And that's all right because over 43 years of preaching, I've learned how to preach through bad stairs. I've learned how to preach when people are casting their spirit out against you. I've learned how to preach when they're hoping you'll choke on your words and trip over your shoes. I've, I've learned how to preach through blank stairs. I've learned how to preach when people are sucking their teeth and looking at their watch and ready to get out. I've learned how to preach when people switch off this live stream and go on to another. Go on somewhere else. There's 12 more people about to come on because God has changed. Don't you worry, Jonathan. God has changed his mind. Here's the reality of the matter. There were at least four things in the text that provoked God to change his mind. And I'd just like to lift up those things for us today to help us to be in alignment, to do our part. Somebody holler, let's do our part. Put it in the live stream, somebody, and say, let's do our part. I want to give you at least four things that may help us to understand what happened that caused God, that aided God, that set up the circumstances under which God changed his mind. Check out the text. Four things that made God change his mind. First thing is, in verse number five, the first line, I love it when I read it, it leapt out to me and it hit me right in my spirit. So the people of Nineveh Nineveh, believed God. I, I, I know it says some more things that modify that first part, but I'd just like to suggest to you today, if you and I are going to come into the prophetic reality that God has changed his mind over our circumstance, over our lives, your life may be going in one direction that you are not too pleased with, but if you hear the word of the Lord and heed the voice of the prophet and know that don't not, that you shouldn't worry because God has changed his mind, what's the way that, we, that they appropriated the mind change that God brought about and changed their circumstances? The first thing is that they believed God. Somebody holler, I believe God. 
I just, I'm absolutely convinced that Christians today say with their mouths they believe God, but circumstance evidences oftentimes that we don't believe God. We believe more in what's going on around us than we believe in the God of the circumstances. I'd like to suggest to you today that when we believe God, we can look circumstances in the face and tell them, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. When we believe God, we can look at the economy, we can look at jobs losses, we can look at death itself and say, I belong to God. And before I doubt God, I will stand right here with my shoulders squared and my head erect and I will believe God against all odds and over every circumstance. The people believed God. I wish I had 12 believers in the sanctuary this morning. I wish I had 45 believers on the live stream today that in spite of what you've heard, in spite of what you've seen, in spite of what's been prophesied, in spite of what you've thought, in spite of the world working against us, I still believe God. I believe him when I got a job and I believe God when I'm between jobs. I believe him when I'm on the top of my game and I believe him when I'm still climbing the ladder. I believe God when I'm well and I believe God when I'm sick. I believe God when things are going the way I want them to go and I believe God when things are going all helter-skelter. But I just came to encourage somebody. The first thing that Nineveh did in order to change God's mind is they believe God. Somebody holler, I believe God. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God. Not just to everyone, but to everyone that believes. I wish I had some believers in the room today. See, because there are things coming down the pike in your life that are going to require another level of belief. There are things that are happening in the circumstances all around us. Y'all missed a good place to get happy right there. See, some of us were shaking in our boots. Some of us couldn't sleep at night. Some of us coming right up to November 3rd had knots in our stomach. Some of us coming right up to November 3rd had headaches, had backaches, couldn't get rest at night, waking up in a, with a panic over the presidential election. But let me just say something to y'all. Some of us slept all night because we believe God. Some of said, I don't care who's in the White House. I know who's on the throne because we believe God. And we still, even though we believe God, we still did our part. We went and voted. We went and campaigned. We went and drove people to the polls. We did our part because we had to cooperate with God. But also in cooperating with God, we believed God. See, I'm trying to get somebody to the place that no matter what your circumstance is, you can believe God through the darkest. Who am I prophesying to today? Somebody right now is going through a desperate and difficult situation, but I dare you to grab onto the horns of the altar and say, I believe God and, and not let go until he blesses your life and transform your circumstances. Somebody holler one more time. I believe God. The people of Nineveh believe God. Listen to the text. The text says then in verse number six, here's the second point. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne. Watch what he did. He laid aside his robe covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. You want to know four things that made God change his mind? Here's the first thing. The people believed God. Here's the second thing. Uh, the people, uh, the king relieved himself of grandeur and station. See, 
I'm absolutely convinced that some of us remain in our circumstances because we're too proud to come off of our high horse when things are obviously not going in the direction that they should be going. I'll never forget when I had a counseling appointment. I had a counseling appointment with a young couple. They weren't even members of the church, but I took that counseling appointment. It's probably the thing that broke me of doing of counseling people that ain't members of my church because I can't talk to them like a member. You can't whoop somebody else's children. You can't you can't correct somebody else when they're outside. They don't want to hear what you. It, it probably broke me of doing that. Uh, they uh, sat in there and their marriage was all in disarray. They were about to go to divorce court and they came in and sat down to talk to me and they want to talk about their marriage and get their marriage together. And it, it was a curious thing because as I was listening and I began to say, hey, have you considered this and have you considered this? Have you thought about these ways and strategies to be able to keep your marriage together? And I said, because the Bible says, and immediately the young man looked up at me and said, well, I got some, I, I have my own ideas about the Bible. And I looked at him and I said, yes, and that's why you're in front of me today, about to go to divorce court. It's your ideas about the Bible. It's your thoughts about the Bible. It's not the word that's got the problem. It's your ideas about the word. You don't want to relieve yourself of your high horse, your grandeur, your station, your arrogance, your thought that you've got it all together. If you had it all together, young sir, you wouldn't be sitting up in my office wasting my time looking at you trying to save the marriage that you're about to destroy. The Bible says that the king, when he got the word of the Lord, one of the things that caused God to change his mind is not only the people, but the king came down from it, relieved himself of grandeur and station. I just wonder how many of us are right on the precipice of a breakthrough, but we are too proud to just say, God, I need your help. And right on the precipice of a breakthrough, but too proud to say, I need to change this about my life. I just, I don't know who I'm prophesying to, but somebody needs to know, you're one change away from a miracle. You're one change away from a breakthrough. There's just one more thing that if you would just humble yourself under the mighty hand of God he'll exalt you in due time you're just one thing away from God turning your life around somebody holler God's about to change his mind that's what he's doing don't worry y'all God's changing his mind listen the, the text says that the king not only the people but the king relieved himself of his grandeur and of his station he humbled himself and sat in sackcloth and in ashes because he understood that the word of the Lord had come and the word of the Lord had come to rebuke and to reprove and to destroy the people because of their wickedness but don't worry God change his mind. What's the third thing, Bishop? The first thing is the people believe God. The second thing is that the king believed himself of grandeur and station as should we. Here's the third thing. Uh, this, I may get in trouble on this one, but verse number nine says that the king began to talk and began to express and articulate his thoughts about, about coming down and sitting in sackcloth and ashes and, 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 and his thoughts about what was happening all around him and his proclamations to the people. Don't nobody eat nothing. Don't nobody drink nothing. Everybody, stop what you're doing because we got to get this curse off of us. Verse number nine, the king begins to ask a question. Listen to this carefully. Listen to this careful, uh, question carefully. Who can tell if God will turn and relent <laughs> and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Who can, in all of this, the king began to operate in what I call the uncertainty of faith. I know it's oxymoronic. I realize that, that that grates against some people's sensibilities because some of us have thought that faith meant that I operate with psychological certainty. That I'm absolutely convinced that God's going to do this, that, or the other. But I'd like to suggest to you today that faith has a complementary component standing alongside of it. And sometimes faith is accompanied by uncertainty. As a matter of fact, the thing that makes faith faith 
opportunity for things not to go the way you are psychologically certain that they are going to go. See, the problem with the contemporary church is that we stand up and convince ourselves psychologically that God's going to do it, God's going to do it, God's going to do it, God's going to do it. But every now and then, we've got to just operate in honesty. I want him to do it, but I don't know if he will. That's the uncertainty of faith. Lord, I believe, but help thou my un It's the uncertainty of faith. God changed his mind because the king was willing to operate in the uncertainty of faith. I don't know who I'm prophesying to today, but see, the devil's tried to convince you because you got a little doubt in the back of your mind. It ain't going to happen. The preacher on the Word Network has tried to convince you that because you got a little disbelief hanging around with your belief that things are not going to work out on your behalf and you got to purge yourself of all of your unbelief. The devil is a liar. I came to make somebody know today that God's getting ready to change your circumstances as he changes his mind just to show you that just that little bit of faith in the, in the midst of all of that uncertainty can still bring about an effective change in your life. I dare you to elbow somebody or look across the room and holler at them through your mask and say God's about to change his mind on your behalf. Tell that same person, not because you believed, but because you have the uncertainty of faith operating on your behalf. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Is there anybody here besides me that's ever had to move forward even if you didn't know what's going to work out in your life? Even though you didn't realize how it was going to come about. Even though you didn't know whether or not you are going to get the job, you applied anyway. Even though you didn't know whether they are going to give you the loan, you applied anyway. Even though you didn't know how the situation was going to turn out, you still forged ahead. That's the uncertainty of faith. Somebody holler, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Y'all didn't say it like I said it. Put it in the live stream. Put some musical notes beside it and say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm a believer in the midst of doubt. I still have the uncertainty of faith. In the midst of circumstance, I still believe God can do it. Though my condition be prolonged, I still believe God can turn it around in a moment, in an instant. He can make all things new. Somebody say yes. Say yes. Now clap your hands in the sanctuary and give him glory, honor, and praise. uncertainty of faith. My God, I feel something pushing me in the back. I don't, I don't know who I came to preach to today, and I, don't play, I, don't, I didn't plan to upset your apple cart. I don't mean to disturb nobody where you are comfortably in a place, in a valley of decision, but I dare you, even in the midst of not knowing how it may turn out, I dare you to praise him for a positive outcome, even though it doesn't look like it's going to work out on your behalf. Somebody praise him right now, right now, glorify him for a positive outcome. Magnify him for the hope that lies within you. Give him the praise, because he's worthy. It's the uncertainty. It's the uncertainty of faith that drives us forward, that says perhaps the Lord will relent. 
It's like the four lepers sitting outside of the gate and said, if we sit here, we will surely die. Perhaps if we go into the city, the Lord will save us. Perhaps it's the uncertainty of faith. Come on, y'all. Stop playing. Make the application. You've been languishing for two years, wondering whether or not they're going to take you. You won't know if you don't apply. It's the uncertainty of faith. I believe that prophecy operates in the realm of uncertainty. Because prophetic utterances, when the performative speech comes over your life, you and I have to be willing to mix faith with it, even though the circumstance may not look like what's being prophesied over us. We have to operate in that level of the uncertainty of faith. Here's at least four things that, that made that God change his mind. The first thing is the people believe God. The second thing is the king, the king believed himself of grandeur and of station, as should we. The third thing is that they operate, they operated in the uncertainty of faith. Here's the last thing. This is going to get somebody in trouble. Me, it's going to get me in trouble with some of y'all. Verse number 10 says, look at the first, first part of verse number 10, just one, one phrase. Then God saw their works. I'm in trouble theologically. I'm, I'm in trouble socially with some of y'all because some of y'all want God to move, but you won't move. Some of y'all want God to do something, but you won't do nothing. Four things that made God change his mind. First thing is they believed God. Second thing is the king believed himself of grandeur and station as should we. The third thing is they operated in the uncertainty of faith. And then the fourth thing is God saw their works. I just want to know what have we done? Well, Bishop, I believe. I, I believe God. Yeah, I just believe. It's no, but my faith is not of works lest any man should boast. But I'd like to suggest to you that James, likely in commentary to what Paul said, said, yeah, this faith, but faith without works is dead. I'm just showing you what the Bible says. The Bible says that God saw their works, that they turned away from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster. That we read today is that God saw their works. They started behaving in ways that got God's attention and caused God to change his mind. Interesting. One of the reasons that politically things shifted in the United States of America is because we changed our works. I can't get many amens in the room. I probably, I'm probably not getting any on the live stream either. Because in the 2016 election, 33.7% of eligible African-American voters stayed home. It was our works that got us the last president. But in this election, we had record banner turnouts. Even in early voting, it was our works. See, it's not enough to leave the work of ministry on a few people. 
and expect God to bless you because your name is on the roll. God's asking, what have you done for me lately? Don't worry, God's changed his mind. But what brought about the change of God's mind? I tell you, it was they believed God. They relieved themselves of grandeur and station. They operated in the uncertainty of faith. And they worked. And God saw their works. God saw their works. And in the midst of God seeing their works, God relented from the disaster he previously declared over them. See, friends, actions have consequences. When we do, in the economy of God, listen to me carefully. I know it grates against some of y'all's theological propositions, uh, the theological positions that say that, you know, there's nothing I can do that, that can bring about God, that God's going to bless who he's going to bless. He's going to do the devil is a liar. God is the God that can be provoked. He says it all the way through Deuteronomy, all the way through Chronicles, all the way is the if-then portions of Scripture. If you do this, then I'll do this. He's the God that can be provoked. Y'all always trying to quote it. If my people who called by my name humble themselves, pray, seek my, that's doing stuff, y'all. Then will I hear from heaven. I'm here to help somebody understand that God changed his mind because people believed him, because they relieved themselves of grandeur and station because they operated in the uncertainty of faith and because they worked even though their circumstance had not changed. I don't know who needs to hear it today on the live stream or in the few that are in the sanctuary. I don't know who needs to know it today, but, but you don't have a reason to worry because God is about to change his mind. <laughs> don't worry. God has changed his mind. You know why? Because he's been watching. He's been observing. He's checking you out the way you've been believing God through this circumstance. You've been trusting God in the midst of COVID. You've been operating with prudence, but you've been trusting God. You've taken the, the word of the Lord. You've heeded it and heard it and come down to say, Lord, in, in a position of, of humility to say, Lord, this is for me. I want to I want to I want to uh, conform my life to your will and your word. You've operated in the uncertainty of destruction that they prophesied over you, the thing they said you'd never do, the person they said you'd never become, don't worry, God has changed his mind. God has greater plans for you. He's got higher aspirations for you, more noble ambitions for you. God thinks more of you and I than he thinks, than we think of ourselves. God has much greater for you and I in our lives. Don't worry, God has changed. Listen, I wish if this message has blessed you, join us as we seek to change lives by reaching and equipping people through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can find us on Facebook at Grace Church International, on Instagram at Grace Church INTL ATL, or on our website at www.gracechurchintl.org. If you would like to partner with us in our mission, you can donate on PayPal at www.paypal.me slash gracechurchintl on Cash App 
at dollar sign Grace Church INTL or on our website at www.gracechurchintlatl.org slash giving. Now go in grace and the grace of God go with you.